0: Please turn your Bibles to Psalm 129. Psalm 129. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every God, every word of God is pure. Amen. Amen. Matthew 4:4 4, 4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Yes. Before I read this Psalm, please consider this setting with me. Did you ever? As a child, have an uncle or father that you wanted to spend a lot of time with and listen to his war stories beside a fireplace with a cup of hot cocoa or something. Better yet, as a child, did you ever want to sit in your uncle's or father's lap and in his arms, or he would tell you not just stories from his past, but also his hopes, dreams, fears, joys, beliefs, conviction, together with godly advice and exhortation for your personal life. We have that in the Psalms, dear brethren. Welcome to the fireplace of David. Welcome to a place where we do not hear from earthly fathers or uncles, but instead the father of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to hear words that were inspired and preserved for us by David's God, the Lord Jehovah, and illuminated to us by the man of God and the Holy Spirit. Follow me as I read Psalm 129 and think about the war stories that David, a king, could tell through inspiration. Psalm 129. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, may Israel now say. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back, they made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He hath cut asunder the cords of the wicked. Amen. Let them all be confounded and turned back that, hurts, that hate Zion. Amen. Let them be as the grass upon the housetops, which withereth afore it groweth up. Wherewith the mower filleth not his hand, nor he that bindeth sheaves his bosom. Neither do they which go by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Psalm 129, verses 1 through 4, are about the afflictions and the Lord's deliverance from those afflictions. Verse 1 reads, "May Israel now say." Yes. So we know that David was not talking about his own personal afflictions as a youth or adult, or his army's afflictions when running away from Saul, or even his kingdom's afflictions when dealing with various enemies from within or without, during his reign. Rather, David was talking about Israel's affliction as a nation and people under God. And if we read this psalm through New Testament eyes, we know that they are not all Israel, which are of Israel, which Romans 9, 6 says. Signifying that David and the spirit's concern in this psalm is less for the biological sons of Jacob, but rather more the elect children of God who love Jehovah, keep his commandments, and seek to worship him in the various forms in the three dispensations that we have. And that includes you and me. Verses 1 through 4. Both verse 1 and verse 2 start with the phrase, Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. It is repeated for emphasis, so that we understand the gravity of the situation that David is trying to describe. Right. Many a time. Why many a time? It's there because Israel's afflictions have been numerous. Yes. So numerous that they can only be described as many. David and the Spirit did not lose count of the number of afflictions that the righteous have faced. Rather, he does not want to distract you by listing them. David was not murmuring nor complaining but merely stating a fact. David was a man of war, and he knew what Israel's enemies have done to them in the past, and the spirit that knows past, present, and future knows the wickedness that the enemies of God's children would do to them after David. We are also in a war with a relentless enemy who is as a roaring lion that seeketh its prey. Not only that, we have God's promise from 2 Timothy 3.12 that says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Rise. Two things that we are facing today. Why do we see the word they in verses 1 and 2? Many are they, many a time have they. It's there because Israel's enemies are too numerous to count. And list. so David does not try to. Starting from the serpent in the Garden of Eden, to Cain, to Sodom and Gomorrah, to the Egyptians, the Midianites, the Hittites, Ammonites, Moabites, Amalekites, Philistines, Assyrians, Babylonians, to New Testament enemies like the Pharisees, Romans, the Roman Catholic Church, the Inquisitors, Atheists, and even internal enemies within Israel, right. numerous individuals like Achan, Korah, Saul, Doeg the Edomite, Amnon, Absalom, Ahithophel, Judas Iscariot, Ananias, Sapphira, down to our own personal sinful hearts and lusts and desires. That's right. You and I know that I'm just skimming yes. the surface of the enemies that a righteous would face. So David, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, does not waste words and says just they. Many a time have they. Right. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. Israel's afflictions were also from its youth. Yes. God's enemies do not waste time going after God's children. The Lord Jehovah likewise does not waste time training His children through affliction. No sooner than days or even hours after creation did the serpent go after Adam and Eve. How many years of life do you think Abel got to enjoy before being murdered by Cain? Did David's own brothers despise him while they were army officers and him, a teenage shepherd? Did Joseph's brothers despise him in his youth? Yes. Right. The Lord Jesus Christ was crucified at the young age of 33. Many of the martyrs that were killed during the various inquisitions were young and also had young children that were killed. Pharaoh had infants of Israel drowned in the river. Herod likewise ordered the slaughter of infants in all of Bethlehem and in all the coasts under the age of two. Our enemies do not waste time committing wickedness. Do we ever delay to do righteousness? We can also see how severe the enemies of Israel would afflict Israel from verse 3. The plowers plowed, not on the field, but on my back. They made long their furrows. Israel was, not an agric- was an agricultural nation and understood farming analogies very well. Plowing was the action of using a plowing instrument, typically propelled by an ox, to turn the ground so that it could be seeded and irrigated well. The word furrows, in verse 3, are the trenches that would be left after a cow or an ox plowed the ground. Imagine having a plowing instrument weighing a few hundred pounds, not forgetting the ox that was attached to it, giving you a scratch on your back. (laughs) It is a metaphor to show that the enemies of God's severity in treating God's children. Not only that, it's not just severe. The furrows or trenches were also made long, Mm -hmm. showing that the affliction was persistent and long-term. Israel had to spend many years of slavery in Egypt before the Lord, through Moses, would save them. There were 70 years of captivity in Babylon before the Israelites who loved Jerusalem were allowed to return. The Roman Catholic Church was allowed to rule Europe for 1,260 years, inflicting severe affliction to God's children in the Dark Ages. And even now, the perilous times of the last days with its brand of carnal Christianity, shall only wax worse and worse yes. until an unspecified time when the Lord Jesus Christ shall return and to redeem man. His people. It's been a long time. Right. All is not gloom and gloom, though, for we have now two of the most inspired disjunctives of the Bible, and the true point of verses one and four, one through four. Yet. They have not prevailed against me. Amen. And the Lord is righteous. Amen. He hath cut asunder the cords of the wicked. Yes. Grasp these words and rejoice. The first disjunctive is yet in verse 2. And the second disjunctive is an ellipsis between verse 3 and 4 because the Holy Spirit wants to emphasize and empower verse 4 as much as possible. Mm-hmm. When you see verse 4, why do you think the words cut asunder the cords appear in verse 4? It is there because the plowing instrument in verse 3 is attached to the ox with ropes or cords. Right. Cutting away the cords that connect the ox and plow would render the enemies powerless and hopeless because the ox just ran away without the plow. Without yeah. the plow. <laughs> right. We see similar themes in verses such as these. Psalm 34:19 says Many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Amen. Job 5:19 says He shall deliver thee in six troubles yea in seven shall no, there shall no evil touch thee. Amen. John 16:33 says Jesus Christ says These things have I spoken to you that in me ye might have peace in the world ye shall have tribulation but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen. Amen. These are verses of real hope and expectation of the right, for the righteous. Yes. There is a reward for the righteous Amen. living for there, for, for there is an omnipotent being, Jehovah, that is most holy and righteous, ruling right. over all. Though in the midst of many trials from numerous enemies, internal and external, Israel can still say that those trials have not and will not prevail against him, and that the Lord will cut off the afflictions from Israel in due time. This is truly what we each and every one of God's children experiences in the practical phase of salvation, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Israel had the responsibility to act and fought its battles and won its wars in verse 2, but it was also the Lord's sovereignty that allowed them to do so in verse four. Yes, yes. Now we move on to verse five to eight. What we see now is that Israel, through the words of David, moves away from self-examination to actively cursing and condemning the wicked, which were the source of the afflictions. In verse five through seven, David curses the wicked to be like grass that withers before it grows long enough to become useful Grass in those times were harvested and manufactured into cords to bind up sheaves of wheat and other produce. That's what grass was used. The mower, in the first part of verse 7, would be the one that harvests the grass. And the binder of sheaves, in the second part, is the end user of the cords that are produced from the blades of grass. And the, A blade of grass, when it is long enough, can be used to bind sheaves, but it can go, only go so far one would have to make the cord stronger by intertwining multiple blades of grass. Mm -hmm. Solomon used the phrase, a threefold cord is not easily broken in Ecclesiastes to illustrate how having godly friends would strengthen each other by using the analogy of the manufacturing process of cords. However, a grass that withers before it is long enough has no strength at all. It will just fall apart. No mower would harvest it and no binder would use it. It is not worth even the effort to pick up. Amen. In manufacturing terms, this is not the reject pile of products that we tried to make but failed. It is instead the trash pile of stuff that we ignored in the first place. Right. We, didn't, we didn't even care about it. <laughs> there is no blessing on them of any kind from the Lord Amen. towards the wicked from anyone that, that is stated in verse 8. None of the righteous will bless these enemies of God at all. Wait a minute. Aren't Christians supposed to be charitable and endure all things? Aren't we supposed to forgive and forget? Aren't we supposed to turn the other cheek? Yes, we should, but only for our personal enemies, never God's enemies. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel and prophet of God, was also a man of war and did not mince his words about the wicked of this world. Amen. Consider another example of how David, a man of God inspired by the Holy Spirit, views God's enemies. Psalm 140, verse 8 says, verse 8 through 10 says, Grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Further not his wicked device, lest they exalt themselves, Selah. As for the head of those that compass me about, let the mischief of their own lips cover them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Yes. Let them be cast into the fire, into deep pits, that they rise not up again. David had no mercy towards God's enemies in his time. He did not hesitate in eliminating them, whether they were Goliath, Philistines, the Malachites, Ammonites, Moabites, or the sinful lusts and desires within his heart. We do not make war with the nations that David faced anymore in this in this time, and part of the perilous times of the last days, we still have, but we still have inner struggles that David faced together with the external inputs like the internet, social media, and all those things that David did not have to face. Do you have David's zeal and hatred towards sins such as adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like? Not only that, do you hate the sciences, falsely so-called, that are so pervasive today, together with the fake scientists? Do you hate them? Do you also hate carnal Christianity? What I listed were examples of the enemies that we have to face today. We are pulled and pushed around by those enemies, in our hearts, minds, and hands every single day of our lives? Do we let them control us, or do we put on the whole armor of God and make war? If you look at this psalm, we are the Israel in this psalm. Through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit within our lives, can we say with Israel that the temptations, trials, and tribulations of this world have not prevailed against us? Have we done our portion as members of his body to strengthen, fortify, and edify the body? Have we neglected our duties in any way in our personal family or church lives? May the author and finisher of our faith, who ran the perfect race in all ways, bring added conviction to our hearts and souls. Amen. Amen.